Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Last week, we talked about just a bit about the purpose, that without purpose, uh, life is, is meaningless. Today, I want you to know that you matter to God. This is just going to be more of an introduction this morning. Next week, we're going to start on the first purpose. We're going to go over the, uh, each of the purposes starting next week. But today, I want you to know that you matter to God. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you matter to God. Turn to your other neighbor and tell them, you matter to God. Now, now, I want you to do something for me, okay? I, I want you just to give yourself a self-hug. And I want you to tell yourself, go, come on, give, give it. Some of you are afraid to hug yourself, you know, but you, you deserve it, okay? I just want you to tell yourself right now, you matter to God. Tell yourself you matter to God, amen? Isaiah 44, verse 2 puts it this way. I am your creator, and you were born in my care even before you were born. Let me read that again. I am your creator, and you were in my care even before you were born. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to know that even before you were born, God thought of you. The very fact that you're here is proof positive that God thought of you before you were even conceived. God cared for you. God had a purpose in mind for you. And that's why you're here this morning. Every single one of you, you are here because God cares about you. And the, the, the reality is this, is that when you find your purpose, you could release your potential. Many of us feel that like, like we're, we're not living our best life yet. We're not living life to its fullest. There, we, we see other people and we, we know there's something inside of us that we were created for more, that we want to do more. And every one of us was designed by God for dominion. He said in Genesis 1.26, let us create man in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion. That word dominion means power. It means authority. It means also responsibility. Responsibility. And that's why when you drive down the street and you see a homeless person, something inside you moves. When you see a, a child that is being abused, something awakens in you that you feel like you have a, the ability to make a difference. Or you see a young person that's lost and, 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 dis, and, and confused. You feel somehow that I can make a difference there. And the reason why we feel we should make a difference is because every one of you has been hardwired to make a difference. That's why you're here. But we get so focused in on just getting by that we stop trying to make a difference. And I want us to recognize we have to move beyond survival, beyond success, and step into significance. So we're making an impact in people's life. Dr. Miles Monroe put it this way. The greatest tragedy of life is not death, but life without purpose. And so the next few weeks, we're going to focus in on finding your purpose in life. And so what drives us? Everyone is driven by something. Everyone is driven by a thing that gets us up in the morning, that wakes you up. For some of you, you're driven by, I need to pay the bills. 
For some of you, your wife makes you get out of bed and go to work. For others of you, it's that you want to get out of the family, out of the household to get to work. There are certain things drive you. Some of you are driven by education. Some of you are driven by a past experience. Some of you, uh, you know, you you you're, you drink because your parents drink. Some of you don't drink because your parents drink. You you find yourself you're driven by your past. You're driven by something. Every one of us is driven by something. And that word drive means this. It means to guide, control, or to direct. So whether you're driving your car, whether you're driving a golf ball, whether you're driving your vision, everything in life, we are driven by something. We're guiding something in our lives. I want to ask you this question this morning. What's the driving force in your life? What's driving you? What motivates you? What gets you up in the morning? See, many of us, like I said, have been driven by a painful experience, a haunting fear, or an unconscious belief that is driving us. And there are many things that can drive your life, but I want to give you five very quickly. And I'd encourage you to write these down because it'll help identify what things are driving your life. Because if you're not driven by purpose, you're going to be driven by one of these five things. The first thing I find a lot of people driven by is guilt. Come on. We're, we're driven by guilt. Many times in our life, you're driven and you're manipulated by your memories. The things that have happened in your past affect you and what you choices you make today. Rick Warren put it this way. We are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. Come on, somebody say amen. That's a, that's a tweetable moment right there. You might be a product of your past. Every one of us, every single one of you, if I were to have you stand up where you're at right now, who you are today is a result of your experiences, your raising, your background, your victories, your defeats. Everything you are today is a culmination of your experiences yesterday. Now, some of those things were painful, but I need you to understand you can't remove something from your past because that's what made you who you are today. Good, bad, or indifferent, but I need you to recognize something that God specializes in fresh starts. No matter how bad your past may be, God is, has the ability to give you a fresh start. Your past cannot hold you back. Whatever happened in your past is your past. Listen, you can't change your past. And some of you have spent your life trying to make up for mistakes of yesterday. You can't do it you got to let go of yesterday in order to bring about a new future. And so don't be driven by your past. Be driven by your present and your promise on your life. The second thing many people are, are driven by is resentment and fear. Some, someone say amen if you've ever been fearful or resentful. Okay? And what, what am I talking about there? We hold on to hurt. You've been hurt by someone, someone has, has done you wrong, and you know what, your, your, your first husband uh, cheated on you or did this, now you don't trust any other man that comes around. Or you know what, you, you went through a bad experience at this job, and now every other boss that you come into, you think that they're trying to uh, take advantage of you. Our pat, whenever we find ourselves holding on to something, it can keep us from moving on. And we, uh, these people that are driven by resentment or fear, they never get over the hurt and they rehearse the pain over and over and over again. I mean, you just sit there like a crock pot. You sit there and you just stew over what was done to you. Mm. I, I can't believe they did that to me. 
Uh, and you rehearse the event over and over in your mind of what you should have done to get out of that situation. And as a result, when you find someone that is holding on to resentment in their life, there are two ways that we either deal with it. We either deal with it by blowing up or we deal with it by clamming up. And we will either get upset and shout at everyone or we internalize what we're feeling and we don't tell no one. And both of those approaches are dangerous because you're holding it in. And I've heard some people say, man, I only get mad for a little while. But yeah, so does a shotgun. I only make noise for a little while. A shotgun does just as much damage in that single moment of explosion. You talk to my girls. The thing that I deal with the most is when I get frustrated and I release uh, my, my frustration. They would rather, when they were growing up, Jacqueline's already smiling. She would, she would rather me beat her, take her, pull, her, pull her, little, her, her little shorts down, give her a spanking with the belt than to ever raise my voice. She was more afraid of my voice than she was afraid of a spanking. Be careful in the words that you use because you can damage people. Pastor Rick put it this way. Those who hurt you in your past cannot continue to hurt you unless you hold on to the pain through resentment. Now, I'm not minimizing what you went through. L listen to me. For the young lady, young men in here that have been abused of sexually, emotionally and physically, I am not minimizing the abuse that you went through. I'm not saying the abuse you went through was right. I'm not saying that what you went through should, should be forgotten or, or, or just uh, wiped off. What you went through was real. What you went through was painful. But you cannot allow that person to continue to hurt you by holding on to resentment. Because it's going to keep you from stepping into what God has for you. I want to tell you, in the words of Disney, let it go. <laughs> just, just let it go. Because you can't live your life that way. You're, you're, you're a prisoner to your past. You're, you find yourself locked up what someone had done to you in your past. And not only are they, did they hurt you yesterday, but they're hurting you today and tomorrow because you're still carrying it along with you. And that person has gone on with life. They're living life while you're still stuck in your pain. Let it go. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, let it go. Don't start singing, please. <laughs> Job chapter 5, verse 2 says, Don't worry yourself to death with resentment. Would be fool. It would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. Come on, life's too short to be carrying around that stuff. Number three, everyone say number three. We've been dr driven by guilt, driven by resentment or fear, or driven by fe or uh, fear, or just fear itself. Now, now, fear is the fear to venture out. Well, we're afraid to take a risk or, or move on. And fears are usually, where, where do we normally get fear from? From experience, the unknown, what else? Fear of failure, that's good. Do you realize that there, the, the amount of fears that we, they have, arachophobia, they have all these phobias. I'm literally, in, in psychology, there's all kinds of fears that we've created. Fear of light, fear of dark, fear of people, fear of being alone. There's all kinds of fears, but there's only two fears that we're born with. All other fears you have have been learned. The fear of loud noises and the fear of heights are the only two fears that we were born with. Every other fear we learned. 
And so if there are things that are in your life that you're afraid of, that you're holding on to, you're allowing those fears to keep you from stepping in to promotion, stepping in to the things that God called you to, to success. Because the enemy, if he can't stop you, he'll intimidate you or fear you to the point of not pro progressing. And fears are usually the result of a dramatic experience, an unrealistic expectation, or growing up in a controlling environment, uh, that, or even a genetic predisposition predisposition. How, how many of you have family members that are always afraid of everything? And the moment you start talking about starting a business or, or reaching out or buying a home or doing this, they're like, oh, no, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, and as a result, that same fear is passed on to you. So you avoid risk. You play it safe in life. But Pastor Rick put it this way. Fear is a self-imposed prison. It'll lock you down. And I look back at my life where I've allowed fear to make choices for me. Those choices were always dangerous, more dangerous to stay where I was than to venture out and step out to something new. John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says this, well-formed love, everyone say love, banishes fear. Since fear is crippling and a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is not one yet fully formed in love. So where there is an overwhelming sense of fear coming on your life, then what's going on is that you're missing the perfect love of Christ. Because when you walk in the perfect love of Christ, it casts out all fear. You have the ability to step out for your family. You have the ability to take a risk. You have the ability to walk out and be who God called you to be. I want it to right now, in this moment, I bind every fear over your life. I bind every fear that is paralyzing you, that is holding you back, that you feel that you cannot move on. I bind that fear and I break it in Jesus' name that you would be able to become everything God called you to be. The fourth thing that we're driven by is materialism, the desire to acquire. Somebody say amen. amen. Romans 8, 6 puts it this way. Obsessed with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. See, we, we have this idea that if I have more, man, if I just get that car, I'll be happy. Man, if I just get that house, I'll be happy. Man, if I just get that job, man, I... It, I'll be, I'll be good. You know, man, if I get that 75-inch screen TV for the Super Bowl with the Niners playing, I'll be good. There's a myth that we have that we think that having more will make me more happy, more important, and more secure. But the reality is possessions only provide a temporary happiness. It's like a drug. It's you get something new and you're excited about it. But those things, the, the, the most important things, and I, I shared this last week, self-worth and net worth are not the same. Your value is not determined by your valuables. You need to understand something today. The most valuable things in life are not things. To be driven by just the 
desire to acquire, to get things, to get a nicer car, to have a nicer house. Now listen, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not against those things. I, I'm down with that. I want to drive a nice car. I want to live in a nice house. I want to have nice things. But those things don't drive me. Those things don't motivate me. I, don't, I ministered when I didn't get paid a dime. I ministered when I was getting paid $300 a month and they expected me to quit my other jobs just to do ministry. And those things, I, I will minister for, you know you have a passion for something when you would do it for free, when no one would pay you a dime for it. And I'm not motivated by money. I am motivated by purpose, the call that's on my life. And I want to encourage you today. Don't let things, there's nothing wrong with having things. Just don't let things have you. Come on, somebody say amen. And lastly, some of us are driven by approval. See, many of you didn't have the approval of people that you love the most in your life, so you're fighting for approval all the time. And we're always looking for approval. We're still trying to, man, we're adults, and we're still trying to earn the, the uh, approval of our parents or our family or our peers, getting our, our family members to approve of what we've done or, or, or say, hey, good job. And you're moving for the approval of man, but not the approval of God. I need you to recognize that I don't know all the keys to success in life. I don't. But I do know one of the keys of failure. And one of the keys of failure is try to please everyone. When you try to please everyone, you're going to fail. Rick Warren put it this way, those who follow the crowd usually get lost in it. You, you were created to stand out, not to fit in. God created you uniquely, individually, and yet we do our best to try to look like everyone else, act like everyone else, dress like everyone else, drive what everyone else drives. I need you to recognize that you have been created to be unique, to be an individual. And so I need you to understand today that many of us, the, the word of God says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. And I've shared this with you before, but I need you to understand. He doesn't say that you can't serve both God and Satan. Because God knows that there would never be a battle for your loyalty between Satan and God. But it would be a battle between money and God. Because we, 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 we love God. It's just that we love things more. I have no doubt that you love God. I have no doubt that everyone in this place, you're here today because you love God, that you want to draw close to God. You want to get closer to God. You want a better relationship with God. You want to get to heaven. You, I have no doubt. I have no doubt that you love God. The problem is, is that we love other things more. We love things. We love ourselves. To the point that we put ourselves on the throne above God. Now, we love God. We just don't love God above everything else. And we're seeking the approval of man more than we're seeking the approval of God. Nothing matters more than knowing God's purpose for your life. And nothing can compensate for not knowing them, according to Pastor Rick. So let, let me give you this as, as we, we close this morning, Okay. What are the five benefits of not living a life driven by guilt, a life driven by resentment, a life driven by fear, a life driven by materialism, or a life driven by approval, seeking the approval or affirmation of others? 
When you live a purpose-driven life, everyone say purpose-driven. When I say purpose-driven, that means that you are driven in life by why you're on earth, what God placed you here for. Number one, I want you to see that purpose-driven life gives life meaning. That I'm here every day I wake up, I know I serve a purpose. Every morning I open my eyes is another day that opportunity that God has given me to fulfill my role here on earth. That I matter, that you matter, that God has a place for you to minister. God has a place for you to serve. God has a place for you to give the same way all the plants on earth release uh, oxygen for us so that we can breathe and we release carbon monoxide so that they can breathe. And when it works together, God has a purpose for each and every one of us. We all, we all deal. We all operate in the same environment we operate for a purpose each and every one of you matter you matter living a purpose-driven life gives life meaning secondly it simplifies your life it tells you what to do and what not to do some of y'all are, are you're so busy and, and life is tiring you out and that's usually because you're trying to do too much. You're trying to be the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to everyone in your family. Listen, they have that job already. You don't have to be the Holy Spirit to your family. The Holy Spirit's the Holy Spirit to your family. Do your purpose. Work your purpose. Walk in your purpose. And when I know my purpose, I can say no to certain things and I can say yes to other things. But when everyone is trying to fill my plate with things, when I know what my purpose is, I can tell you with all the glory of God within me, no. <laughs> and not feel guilty about it the least. Because as a pastor, some, when people bring needs to you, you always feel like you got to find a way to always meet those needs. And, you know, hey, you got to be at this meeting or, hey, they're doing this in the city over here and they're doing that over here. And everyone's pulling me in all these directions. I know my purpose. And if you feel a passion for those things you're telling me about, you go. That's your call. That's your purpose. But don't pay, take your purpose and put it on my plate. And I'm not going to take my purpose and put it on your plate. We all have a role to fill. And so what am I telling you today? Knowing your purpose simplifies your life. I know what to say yes to, and I also know what to say no to. Somebody say amen. amen. Living a purpose-driven life focuses your life as well. Man, folk, when's the last time you gave your all to anything? When's the last time you focused in on something and gave everything to it? Go to school. We, well, before we start school, man, I'm going to do great. End up on the honor roll. I'm going to study. I'm going I'm to get, get good grades. I'm going I'm to get everything I can out of it. And the first day, you got all your notebooks, your folders. You're taking notes. You're, you're into it. But then all of a sudden, the homework assignments, week one, you're, you're down. You got everything done ahead of time now. Week four, five, six, all of a sudden, you're studying the night before class or before in the parking lot as you're driving into class. That desire has given way to your life. When I focus my life, the, the light we have in here provides, it's what we call diffused light. But light is powerful. 
This same light that lights this room, if we focus it down, can become a laser that can cut through metal. This is diffuse light. But focus light has the ability to cut through anything. What could happen if you were to focus your life in 2020? Oh, come on, what, what if you were to focus your marriage? What if you were to focus your family, your children? What if you said everything you did, you were focused, laser focused on what you were doing? What could you accomplish if you started to focus? Come on, church. You'd get out of debt. You would get healthy. Your family would serve God. You would see things come back together. Change would break off of you. You wouldn't have to fight addictions. You wouldn't have to fight depression. Because now all of a sudden, everything I'm focusing in my life on, I'm becoming laser focused. I'm not letting anything diffuse the focus that God's given to my life. Number four, number four, it motivates your life. I love motivation. In fact, I've done a lot of speeches, if you would, and in, in a motivational setting. And people tell me, man, Pastor, you're very motivational. I get, I get fired up when I hear you, hear you speak. I feel like I'm excited about going out and living life. But I always tell them I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm a transformational speaker. I don't believe in just motivating you. I believe in transforming you. That if I, the words that we share, it should motivate you. But it's the word of God that will transform you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That I don't want to just motivate you. I want to transform you. When you have purpose in your life. It motivates you. Listen, when, when, I, when I'm trying to get healthy, I don't know about you, but I'll wake up out of a deep sleep and it's like, it's time to work out. When, I, when I'm working on a project and I, I've been working, I'll work late into the night and then I'll get up early in the morning because even as I lay my head down at night, I'm thinking about that project. I'm thinking about that thing. I'm thinking about that ministry. I'm thinking about your family. I'm thinking about your kids. I'm thinking about this church. There are things, it drives me, it wakes me up. It pushes me. I'm not having to drag out of bed. Purpose will motivate you. It'll move you. It'll wake you up and it'll drive your life. Many of us aren't lacking in purpose. We're lacking in just motivation. When you have purpose, man, it'll, you don't have to drive it. It drives you. And I find whenever I start getting tired in ministry or in life, it's because I've gotten off track to my purpose. Whenever you start losing focus on your marriage, your children, your job, your relationship with God, get back to your purpose. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the first purpose that you were created. The very first purpose that God designed you for, for his pleasure. Now, whenever you get off track, you recognize I was created for his pleasure. It's going to pull you back in line again. And number five, and lastly, it prepares you for eternity. Listen very closely. If you haven't listened to a word I said up to this point, shame on you. But this is the most important part. When I work my purpose, I prepare myself for eternity. The reality is this. We're only here on earth for a moment. The Bible describes our life here on earth as a vapor. Here one moment, gone the next. In the scope of eternity, we're only here for a moment. Our life on earth is a dress rehearsal 
for eternity. Baby, you're going to live forever. The problem is, is it going to be in heaven or is it going to be in hell? Yeah, there's a place called hell. This ain't no fairy tale. That's why God sent his only son, his first fruits, to die for us. Because he loved us so much, he didn't want, he created hell for the devil and his angels, not for mankind. But he created also every opportunity for us to know God. And I, I, I'm begging you this morning, find your purpose. Prepare your life for eternity. Because these few years that we live here on earth, I don't care if it's a grandmother that's 120 years old that passes away. We feel like she died too early. Right? Because every one of you has been wired with eternity. You have eternity inside of you. You have this call to live forever. You have this thing in you that says, I I'm supposed to live. And that's why young people, they feel they're invincible. They jump off houses. They do crazy things. BMX bikes off the, off the cliffs and everything. Because there's eternity inside them. They feel invincible. Because you will live forever. This earth is just a small period that we're here. Wouldn't it make sense to make sure your time here on earth is spent preparing for, for eternity. We spend more time getting ready for work on Monday than we do about getting our hearts ready for eternity. And laying out our clothes, making sure that our fit is right. You're going to live forever. And you're going to be asked these two questions. Number one. What did you do with my son? When you stand before God and make no mistake about it, I don't care what religion you are, you're going you're gonna to stand before God someday. And you weren't here to build your own legacy. You were here to build or prepare for eternity. He's going to ask, what did you do with my son? And then he's going to ask this. What did you do with what I gave you? your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your resources. Do, do you understand that what you're crying about right now, someone else would kill to be in your position? What did you do with what I gave you? The first question will determine where you spend eternity. The second question will determine what you do in eternity. See, in heaven, we're not going to be sitting there with angel wings and harps on clouds doing nothing. We're all going to have assignments in heaven. But there are assignments that we're going to love to do because they're going to be your purpose. Let me ask you this as you stand to your feet with me this morning. What would your family say or friends say your driving force in life is? What's driving you? What's motivating you? What's pushing you? The second question I have for you is, what do you want it to be? What do you want to be known for? Man, he was driven by money. That guy was so money driven. That guy was driven just by fear. He was always afraid to do anything. What drives you? What do you want to be known for what you're driven by? 
Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has planted eternity in the hearts of men. Just put your heart, your hand on your heart right now. Every one of you. You feel that beating? That beating's going to stop someday. It's going to stop. And your last breath on earth is going to become your first breath in eternity. And everything you did here on earth is going to determine where you spend eternity and what you're going to do in eternity. Make sure that every beat of this heart is beating for the purposes of God. Don't build your legacy. Prepare for eternity. Eventually, your legacy is going to be forgotten. But you're going to live on forever. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.